Welcome back to the soccer universe. As always, I'm here with Fran and Yashish. What's up? Fran. How are you guys? I'm good, I'm good. I mean, it was a rocky week, so it ended well, so I'm happy. What about you? I'm alright. You guys had a good, good win against Everton, something to be proud of. Of course. Uh, this week we had a, a special new segment on our podcast. It's called The Fan's Voice. And uh, I had a chance to introduce, to interview one of my longtime friends. He's a Liverpool fan. And, uh, well, let's hear to the interview. Let's listen to the interview right now. Welcome, everyone, to the first edition of The Fan's Voice on the Soccer Universe podcast. I'm Francisco Atier. My friends call me Fran. And today, our special guest, our first guest, is one of my oldest friends. He's a Liverpool fan. He is the first and only captain of the Little Popcorns Football Club. He's Kyle Gonçalves. Kyle, how are you today? I'm doing well, Fran. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm all right. It's uh, it's great to have you today. Um, so we just watched Liverpool and Man City draw. I think the game promised more than it delivered. Um, but what were your impressions? Did Liverpool get the result they wanted? I think uh, I think your assessment's pretty right. We expected more, and it was pretty much a tale of two halves, right? Uh, we got an insanely good first half, uh, opening up with a penalty, questionable arguably, on Sadio Mane with uh, Salah scoring that in. And that got me really excited for one of those really good Liverpool-Man City matches, which has become arguably the most important match in England in, in recent years. Uh, but then it could go either uh, one of three ways. It could stay as a really competitive match, uh, as it's usually been. It could go where one team just trashes the other, such as the, the hungover game that Liverpool had when they had won the title and played Man City last year, and uh, last season, sorry. Or it could go to how it actually went, where the teams are both tired out, and it gets to a tie, and no one's really trying anything. Um, so we had, I think, a really good play from the Bruyne. Once Liverpool let him aside, let him slip out a bit, uh, he managed to get a good play, and an even better play like Gabriel Jesus, and just getting the ball in and getting a tie for, for Man City. And then we had a rare occasion, which is De Bruyne missing a penalty. And I was very, very, very happy about that. <laughs> um, but, uh, but then afterwards, for the second half, it seems like Liverpool was too comfortable with the result they were getting, which is arguably a better result for them than Man City, especially given the missed penalty, because they were playing at the Etihad Stadium, they were playing in Manchester, and they are just better placed in the league uh, to be able to fight for the title positions than Man City really is. Um, so that's what I think, mainly about the match. Uh, Liverpool is obviously still missing and was missing some key players. We were missing today Fabinho, Minamino, Thiago, and obviously our biggest miss, Van Dijk, uh, arguably one of the best defenders in the world. And we had Trent Alexander-Arnold uh, getting out, uh, being subbed out for Milner with an injury. And uh, that's also a bit worrying because it seems to be a curse on us uh, this season. <laughs> I could have done a better assessment myself. Is it fair to say that um, all these injuries that you just mentioned, Van Dijk, Fabinho and Trent especially, is it fair to blame Klopp a little bit for overplaying his players? I think not with Trent. Okay. Um, and uh, I think with Trent, it was just bad luck. Minamino barely doesn't play. Uh, Thiago, I mean, the guy just got here. And I think we can blame the pandemic because we're blaming everything <laughs> on the pandemic, right? I was going to mention to you my assessment of this uh, kind of slower second half 
uh, is in part due to the fact that, well, we just haven't had a preseason like we should have had one. And these teams, they were, Man City was fighting all the way to the Champions League and Liverpool, okay, they had a bit more to rest, but they were fighting for their Premier League win, the first one in a while. And um, and they just haven't had more to rest. And it's a tendency we've seen in all Premier League games that they just get boring uh, by the second half. Um, so I don't blame Klopp on this, but I do think it's affecting the game. Um, what I find quite difficult to pick for this match was uh, was a matter of the match. I would have given it to Jean Cancelo. Uh, uh. He played as a left back for Man City today. I think if he created some great plays for Man City and was responsible for most of the creativity, especially with the Bruyne hurting a bit. Uh, otherwise, honorable mentions to the keepers hmm. and to uh, this honorable mention to Kyle Walker for committing <laughs> a penalty for De Bruyne for missing it. And I liked uh, uh, um, Shakiri's performance as well as Mane's. But Sean Cancelo for me uh, is a very promising player and he played quite well today. I liked Cancelo as well. I was surprised that, Cla- that, uh, that Pep just seems to play him at left back now, even though Kyle Walker, as you said, is definitely a disappointment. Um, I think Salah ended up with the official man of the match. Not sure if he was deserved based on the second half, although he did score the penalty. Um, Man City seem a little out of sorts, I would say. The the creativity that they've shown before, that's the Pep style of play isn't there anymore. So, as far as defending goals and the creativity, as you, as you all said, I think Cancelo probably deserves it as well. I was surprised by uh, Diogo Jota starting in midfield. Did you like that inclusion? I think I liked it. He didn't. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm a big Firmino fan, and uh, I like having Firmino out by the center. Mm. Uh, so we were playing essentially uh, uh, with uh, our attacking four, which used to be our attacking trio, arguably the best trio in the world, with Firmino, Salah, and Mane, and they added on Jota to that. Now, the easiest way you can think of it is just swapping out Jota for Firmino and choosing whichever one you think is playing best. Rather, he played Salah out front and then a line of three uh, with Firmino on the center, Mane on the left and Jota on the right. And Jota didn't perform as well as I think he would have had out front. Mm. But then again, when Firmino left for Shakiri, he was out front and he didn't perform well either. Uh, so a general disappointment uh, from, I think, that entire quadrant uh, obviously, Salah scored a goal and Mane played a bit better, but you usually expect these guys to do way more. I think Firmino, in the last few seasons, has shown himself to be one of the best center forwards in, center forwards in Europe. He has been quite disappointing this season, to say the least. I'm not sure exactly what's going on with him. It is, uh, well, it is a shame, as a Brazilian, to not see one of our better players perform. What do you think is going on with him? What do you think he's not performing? I really don't know. I wish I could get into his head for that. Um, <laughs> he has competition now, pretty stiff, arguably, with Jogo Jota. And theoretically, that should push him to perform better, but sometimes he has the opposite effect. Uh, I think it's been four games where he hasn't created a chance. Yeah. And uh, that's just unusual because what you trust on this guy is, even when he's not scoring, he's just uh, creating a lot of chances. And what you had last week was a press conference where club had to basically praise him and compliment him and Klopp himself said that he felt ashamed and sort of pissed off at the journalists (laughs) uh, that he had to get to the point of of defending Firmino because for him it's just obvious that he's such a great player but it's true that he just has not been Um, and 
the team hasn't changed that much to blame it on a uh, on the team changing. So I think it's something with him. Well, hopefully he can regain his form as the season carry on, carries on. Because truly he's one of the most, I think, beautiful players to watch in Europe. The back heels and all the flair, I mean, that's just unmistakably Firmino. Um, so we'll have more analysis on this game later on in the main part of the podcast with uh, Yashish and Archit. So right now I wanted to pivot to a, another topic because, well, this year has been crazy and you've been living in Brazil and Spain, but for the past three years you were living in London. So you experienced Liverpool coming into form again and regaining their status as one of the best teams in the world. How was it especially seeing Liverpool win the Champions League while you were in London? It was insane. It, it was... Uh, London is full of Liverpool fans, and of course, as, as, as the listeners will know, the main city of England, one of the main cities of Europe. And um, I've been a Liverpool fan for a while, and the last time I had been this happy was the, the, the comeback against AC Milan in 2005 right. when they won the Champions League through that. Uh, won the losing to your team, uh, so Paulo, <laughs> the Club World Cup. But that was back with Gerrard. And then we just had disappointing results one after the other. We would get excited with uh, Gerrard, but then it was a famous slip against Chelsea 20, uh, 2013, 2014, if I'm not mistaken. I was yeah. quite sad about that as losing the Premier League. And then there was um, there was disappointment with Suarez, disappointment with Coutinho. So when we drew the UEFA Champions League, to be honest, I wasn't very hopeful at all, at all. I thought, okay, this is going to be another easy Real Madrid win or a Barca win. Their side looks really good. I had a lot of faith in Juve, a lot of faith in Bayern. And then we draw an insanely difficult group, PSG and Napoli and Red Star Belgrade. Okay, we go to the round of 16 on goal difference, right? We have, we're tied at nine points with Napoli. <laughs> PSG's way further ahead. They look like the better side. And our goal difference is the same as Napoli's, but we just scored more goals than they have. Mm -hmm. and, and so we go through on that and face Bayern on round of 16. <laughs> no promising at all. First game, new, new, then we beat them 3-1. And I say, oh shit, this might turn out to be something. Um, and... Then the Porto game, among other Liverpool fans, I often went to watch out in the pub. It had been, um, it, it, it was being a pretty solid year, uh, Champions League, uh, Premier League wise as well. We were tying up with Man City and it was looking pretty promising, but we, people were paying more attention to the Premier League and then shifting on their focus to, to the Champions League and realizing we can pull something up here, especially when we drew Porto and we said, okay, now our, our quarterfinal game is far easier than our round of 16 game. And we beat Porto soundingly. And for the semifinals, we had Barca. The and infamous game. Love that. The infamous game. So we lose at Cup Nou. We're trashed. And then at Anfield. I sat down. I remember I was living in London, studying there. And uh, I sat down in my girlfriend's apartment. And I said, well, you know, I like eating meat. Like a lot of Brazilians. <laughs> I like my barbecue. I say, I'll go vegan for a month if Liverpool wins this. And... I'm not a superstitious fan. I'm not saying that it was because I said uh, that I was going vegan or that I hoped in saying that I was going vegan that we would win. But I just said that, you know, it's so unlikely that I'll say that. But then in one of those magical nights at Anfield and a corner taken quickly and the most unlikely of heroes in Divo Korigi scoring the goal, I managed to stay vegan for two weeks. There you go. <laughs> And Liverpool managed to win the Champions League. I mean, once we had beaten Barcelona, 
I knew we would win the final. I kind of mm-hmm. had it in my heart. A team doesn't pull that off and then get such a huge disappointment at the final. And uh, I, uh, my girlfriend's from Madrid. Uh, I prefer Madrid much more over over Barca, Real Madrid over Barca. I am fond of Madrid, so I was twice as happy about that. I didn't want the Cruyff final of Ajax and, uh, and Barcelona. So I like playing Tottenham because I like seeing Lucas perform well. And uh, and then it was just a crazy atmosphere. For the for the actual final, I was in Greece uh, with a bunch of European friends. But you know, the Mediterranean during the European summer, during July and August, uh, is basically English and German. Of course. Uh, so uh, they, I would say, dare to say, there were more Liverpool fans in the Greek island I was in, in the Ionian Sea, than there were. In Liverpool, in London at that moment, <laughs> uh, simply because a lot of people from Northwest England traveled there, and uh, we were in a rented house and in the bars they were all showing the game and you could hear fireworks and celebrations uh, out in that remote side of the Mediterranean for Liverpool's win. So it was a remarkable experience, and uh, to see the hopes going from uh, well, it looks like it's going to be another disappointing season with a bad Champions League performance and losing the Premier League by one point to god damn it we've done it again <laughs> and Klopp having made a promise that if he hadn't won a title in four years or five years he would leave and this was his fourth year and uh, and having actually won uh was just uh, sensational no as a soccer fan it was one of the great moments i think I wasn't, uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest, my heart broke because Lucas played for São Paulo, so I wanted Tottenham to win, but it was it was beautiful to watch. Caio, uh, two last questions. Um, what do you expect from Liverpool this season as far as the, the Premier League and the Champions League go? I want, uh, I want us to go for a double. Okay. If the injuries don't prevent us. Um, if I had to choose... I would go for a Premier League win. Okay. Uh, because it's just become more rare to win two Premier Leagues in a row. And uh, and we, I think we can pull that off. Whereas the Champions League, uh, we have more of them and we like our bragging rights in the, in the <laughs> Premier League. So I expect a good form. Uh, we've won the three first games in the Champions League. I think we'll easily go through. Mm-hmm. Uh, make it to the quarterfinals, depending on the draw quite easily, perhaps further on. Who really knows? And with the Premier League, man, it's been such a crazy season that I really don't know who's going to wind up on top. Uh, but I expect us to be fighting for that title. And final question. You're wearing a, a Grêmio shirt. Grêmio and São Paulo aren't the biggest of rivals, but we've shirt- certainly have had our share of rivalries. Um, what, what can we expect from Grêmio this year? From Grêmio this year, man, we, you, can, you can expect us to do well in the Libertadores, okay. which is the South American equivalent of the Champions League, which you guys, in a suggestion to do a whole episode about it. For me, it's the best tournament in the world, the best football tournament in the world. Oh, there's no uh, We comparison. are tied with São Paulo and Santos as the, as the Brazilian teams who've won the most. We've won three, and it's very difficult to win Libertadores. Teams win it every 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I saw Grêmio win a Libertadores in... Uh, three years ago and it was the first one for me uh, so I expect us to do well there we got a good draw for the round of 16 I expect us to do well in the cup and the league I'm not so hopeful okay Caio thank you very much it was great to have you um, hopefully we'll have you again soon with uh, in another big game that Liverpool might have thank you very much for coming on you're more than welcome and thanks for having me friend. awesome 
Aí, fechamos. And we're back. <laughs> What did you guys think about the Liverpool Man City game? I mean, the thing that sticks out is the uh, De Bruyne's penalty miss, obviously. Oh, I think Yashish is on mute. Um, so it's it's a little weird though. Um, we saw Bruno miss a penalty a while ago. Earlier today, Wadi missed a penalty. Uh, now De Bruyne missing penalties. It's truly like the end is near. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bad uh, penalty miss in the uh, Fulham West Ham game as well. Yeah, uh, in the 98th minute, uh, I think his name is Lukman. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Yeah, he, he attempted a Penenka. Yeah, exactly. His team is down one 0 and he's doing that. Like, who does it? Only Sergio Ramos is allowed to do that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, but uh, I feel like this game it started off really like with a lot of energy. Both teams going at it, trying to get the first goal. First, like five to ten minutes, they were extremely attacking. I feel like I feel like it was a very courageous of the of uh, Klopp the lineup that he came up with. Uh, but then, like it was obvious from the start that Firmino will drop a little bit into midfield, but we didn't. Like, there was a little, there was a lot of dyna dynamism happening. Like everyone was moving around in the front line, and that that caused a lot of like trouble for the City uh, de uh, defense. And in the start, like in the first 15 minutes, I City didn't seem to have any answers. Kyle Walker and uh, Cancelo were all the way in front, and the ball kept. Like, there were so many balls in behind of them, and. They were pretty much through. Like there were a couple of times I felt like uh, Liverpool had a very easy chance to score, and they made a wrong decision or took an extra touch, and that's what messed it up for them. Um, but just like um, on the other side, uh, attacking wise, they had a lot of chances, and in the first half in general, it was like a basketball game. At least the first like twenty minutes, it was a proper basketball game. Uh, and I like, I feel like I don't know why Klopp is still starting for Mino. For Mino. Uh, To be honest, um, for me, you know, it's not like he's a bad player. It's just they don't need him anymore. Like I understand that one and a half, two years ago, the reason why Firmino was in the team, he wasn't scoring as many goals or assisting those many, but he was still in the team because everyone bent on about he is integral, integral to the system. He is uh, without him, the system doesn't work. He plays that false nine role that connects them. He, people made those excuses, especially a lot of Liverpool fans I know, and. Um, Now we can see that without him, also the team works. You know, it's he's not that important. So why is he still starting when you could have someone else in midfield start and have a? I don't know. I don't know. I. What do you all think about it for me? Well, I mean, I like the the potential that like a front four of Mane, Firmino, Hoda, and Salah has. I think like if that if all those players like are on and they have like the system is working well, I think that's terrifying for most teams. I just think that at this point, though, like Hoda is just—he's been bagging goals, you know. I—it's tough to like—it's tough to. I mean, Klopp is the type of manager who always sticks with like his players, and like you know, he sticks with the lineup that like that has worked for him in the past. And so, I don't know. It's—it just becomes tougher as you go on to like justify Firmino being in over Hoda, though. Or I guess I guess he wasn't in over Hoda, but like Firmino, not like starting at the same time as him. No, I agree with you guys. I like Firmino a lot. Love his style of play, but it's hard to justify him being in the lineup. I don't know what's going on with his form. 
I don't know if it's a mental thing or if he's just past his prime. I hope that's not the case. But perhaps it would be better to try out maybe Salah as the false nine. Maybe Mane. And then Jota on the right. I don't know what Klopp will do. I mean, I trust him, of course. But might be better to bench Firmino for a little bit. I will say, though, I feel like Salah and Mane, they're best to, like... The most danger that they can bring on, on offense is just when they're on the wing or, you know, like, right in front of goal. I don't know if false nine would be the best move for Salah. I agree with that. I feel like uh, Diego Jota, I don't know how to pronounce his name, sorry, Indian accent. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I still feel like he is, uh, he can play that false nine role. He can play, if not false nine, I feel like they don't need a false nine. Like, uh, the game in midweek where uh, he scored a hat-trick, uh, they were playing Atlanta, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, going away against a team like Atlanta, getting a clean sheet and scoring a hat-trick for Jota, uh, Yota. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Anyway, so, um, that's that's a that's a big statement. Like, Liverpool, that game, like, Liverpool went and said that, you know what, we are back and we're here to stay. Right? That, I feel like that was a statement game, right? And in the second half today, I just didn't see the same intent. I don't know if you'll agree with that. In the second half today, um... Uh, both teams, for some reason, I, I felt like neither both the teams are happy with the draw. I don't know. I was getting that feeling. Like in the, I remember there was one point where Sterling is just standing and like, turning around where the ball is going. He's not going towards the ball, and that really annoyed me. He's in my FPL team, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, that's what um, I, I feel like. I feel like this year because of how these teams are playing, what. Oh, but can I just say uh, how Liverpool have coped without Virgil van Dijk? I think they've only conceded like three goals in the last six games uh, without him. And they scored like 13, which is quite brilliant. No one, I think everyone expected much worse. Well, um, I mean, they were so quite lucky today though, right? Because yeah. Gabriel Jesus missed a sitter. Sterling missed a sitter. De Bruyne missed a penalty. I feel like they're getting lucky. And I mean, the midfield still presses really well, right? And I guess yeah. that's where Firmino comes in because he drops in and he plays defensively in the midfield. But I think the f the whole system helps the defense more than like Matip and Gomez, you know? I mean, yeah, I'll definitely, I definitely agree with the defensive system part. I mean, missing both uh, Fabinho and Van Dijk, that's, I mean, that's like tough for a team to cope with. And I think like, I think they are like scraping by better than like expected. I just think uh, having a front four is also going to cause some defensive liability. Of course. You know, it's going to open up a lot of room to, you know, people, players will struggle to track back. They won't be able to keep up. And I think like, I mean, I think they're coping defensively, but I think like Klopp is going to have to retool his formation in the future. And as some, I also agree. I love Firmino. I think like, you see, she said like Liverpool fans are making excuses from two years ago. I, I, I disagree. I think like they're not winning that Champions League or the Premier League without Firmino there. I've never been a big fan of Firmino. I'll tell you why, I'll give you a reason. Like, it, I, he's a good player, I'm not going to deny that. It just, uh, I remember I had a friend of mine and he went on about how Firmino is all, like, Rashford's never going to reach Firmino's level and all of that. And I had a debate with him about, like, like you know, Rashford's potential versus, like, Firmino's ability and all of those things. And I just raged. Since then, I just had a bias against Firmino. I'm like, you know what, I don't care. Even if he plays well, I'm not going to accept it. So, yeah. Um, but oh. no, he is a great player though. Like, I mean, maybe it's just a form thing right now. But today also, when he, like, I think he had two attempts. 
neither one are, were on target um i think one of them actually got blocked um but he he he's like how um who's that player i think how lingard or right? i'm not connecting him to lingard he's of course levels above lingard but you know <laughs> lingard there was that time when he was in form right and even when he did, wasn't scoring and all he had that energy he had that you know he had some he was contributing something right when he was on pitch but now if you put lingard on the pitch he just doesn't have the confidence to do anything right he just doesn't have the confidence i think there's a confidence issue with fomino right now and you know how social media is right i can i actually want to speak about this for us if they be at the time but uh, do you all think social media has made the game even more difficult for the players because of psychological effects it can have i definitely i would say so i think players are as soon as they have a bad game they immediately hear it from like comment sections whatever it is and like they feel that immediately like i, I could be scrolling through like like arsenal's comment section all the comments are like lock us that out blah blah you know what i mean and like it definitely i don't know how much players you know engage or respond to it or like i guess notice it but i'm sure they like at least i'm sure they notice it they have to see it so i think it definitely it definitely has an effect i think like if you're talking about like premier league players in 2005 right they're playing a game and then they had a bad game they'll get like they'll get shit from the fans in the stands and then they'll go home you know and then that's the end of it nobody's going to criticize them and behind the screen we sometimes forget that players are human as well um it's easy yeah. to criticize when you don't have to face the person and all that right looking at basketball for example just think about the level of scrutiny lebron james went through right i think it was much easier on that sense to play in previous decades um it definitely oh yeah of course and by yeah. the way i mean not to interrupt you but like the ultimate example of that actually from basketball is uh, kevin durant oh, because sure. he yeah he goes from the thunder to the warriors obviously the like i'll just say the weakest move in nba history one of them <laughs> and immediately i mean like you can't go to his comment sections even now it's 2020 without seeing like the snake emoji everywhere and even more so he's also the most active person on twitter he's responding to fans like on a 24/7 basis and like constantly like just you know like going at it with them like having arguments and then like his burner account set up for it so if you're bringing in the nba like yeah it's it does show that like athletes are very very maybe not nobody's as responsive as kevin durant but i'm sure like shifting back to the premier league i'm sure like the i'm sure for me no i'm sure like lock is that's another example lingard they definitely notice, notice it firsthand and i'm sure it affects your confidence one yeah. one last thing on firmino though he's not the fastest player he doesn't have the greatest eye for goal but i think he's one of the smartest players in football right now so that's why i would put him in my 11 yeah i i i agree with that i think like i think someone who also falls in the bracket is juan uh, mata Sure. I think uh, I think we mentioned that last time. I think Firmino, in terms of role and like importance, I think he has a similar importance as Mata right now. But Mata is also a little bit in form nowadays, so that's a different thing. But yeah, I, I agree with you that about his IQ and his uh, ability to make plays and stuff. Uh, that's of course still up there. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I just feel like because of the form that the other forwards are in, it just doesn't justify him to be in there. Maybe give him a chance in the midweek against some other team. Uh, see if he gets his form back. Give him, you know, ease him into the team again. But Liverpool want to win the league, right? They can't. They can't uh, accept complacency, right? 
Yeah, and they also need to be willing. Klopp needs to be willing to take the occasional risk. You know, he's very like he sticks to his guns a lot, which is a good thing, and it's something a good manager does. But I think when a player is just out of form, I think you need to try to change things up a bit. And also, just like slowly like move things away from here. But like, I just want to like say like finally that like Hoda is looking like one of the biggest bargains of the summer. Definitely. Yeah, one hundred percent. But uh, like, I think you did. go ahead, go ahead. No, no. I mean, I don't have much to say. So yeah, go ahead. Oh, because I was gonna. Well, I'm gonna switch a little bit because you talked about uh, not taking risks. Do we feel like Guardiola doesn't take risks with his eleven? He tries to stick with that style, and the style seems to be gone in a way. But he keeps playing the same players, the same ideal of football, and nothing really happens anymore. I've been saying this for uh, oh, like a while, but I think losing David Silva really compromises that style of football that he wants to play. Because before, and also Fernandinho is getting older too. So before he'd have you know all their fullbacks are going up and attack, charging forward. Everybody else besides Fernandinho, and then like I guess Company is was the best defender they had during those years. And then I guess Stones got integrated decently well for a little bit. Laporte has been looking good, but generally the. The work would be for me, yeah, Fernandinho doing all the dirty work, and then you have Silva and De Bruyne playmaking, and that's two of the best playmakers in the Premier League, like in recent history. And so it's just, I think it's tough for him to try to, he's trying to find a new, like, trying to go about this in a different way now, or like at least he should, because I think, like, you can't play the same football when you lose two, like, key pieces like that. Um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, and The thing about Guardiola is, I was I I really like his style. I, I mean, everyone likes his style. Everyone likes what he, what his philosophy and everything. It just, I I think his midfield is really important for that. And I, do you think Gundogan is at the level which you need? Like you said, Silva, and I agree with that. Uh, even today's match, if you saw most of the dangerous plays, they came from the right hand side. That's where uh, De Bruyne mainly operated. And when De Bruyne went on the left, that's the only time when the threat came from the left midfield from uh, back, right? And you can see that De Bruyne right now, when it comes to like attacking threat from midfield, I don't see that threat come from players like Gundogan. I mean, and I feel like Foden. I think Foden was supposed to be that replacement for David Silva, but why is? Do you think Foden deserves to get a start? Is there some issue over there? Why is he not? Why why is Gundogan starting over Foden? Did he have some defensive? Mindset right now, like, do you think there's something like that? Because I think Foden has the ability to play the role that David Silva did. And Foden's a really talented player, and I also think that, like, I mean, yeah, he's he has a lot of talent, and I think like he deserves to slowly be given chances. But I don't know if like he's he's nowhere near the hype, in my opinion, that like English fans will always give him. And I think like I don't know. I think I saw like Ferran Torres got the start last time, and I think like. I think if you're starting Fran Torres, who's also very new to the club, I think it is indicative that like Pep is not willing to trust Foden yet. So there, there is something there. Yeah. I feel like they have lost. Well, Pep wants to showcase the philosophy, right? But I don't know if there is a block between him and the players where he can't coach them anymore into showcasing the philosophy on the field, or if he just has given up on it because. The team has no real Pep identity anymore. Pep is famous for those triangles on the pitch, of the, those passing lanes. But the only thing the yeah. team does well now is 
passing itself. There's no correct shape for the passing. Um, I said this a few podcasts ago. I feel like losing his mother um, in the worst part of the pandemic probably had a big impact on him. Uh, and he just doesn't look like the same motivator on the sidelines. But I don't know. I'd be interested to see if he uh, stays with Man City past this season. What do you guys think? I mean, so let's say he does leave Man City. I don't I don't think it'll happen anytime soon. I think Man City loses more than he does if he leaves. Because I think for... I think like the say these the caliber players that come to them come to them at the transfer market, it's not going to be the same. They want to play for Pep Guardiola, and so I don't know who they'd hire. I don't know how many good replacements there are for a Pep Guardiola out there. And like usually, I'm not the type to say you know keep the manager, just whatever. And I usually like I'm the type of person who says like you should make a change if you you want to see some improvement. But I don't know. I think Pep Guardiola is too is it almost in a tier of his own. There's only a few managers that are better or in that level that I think the Man City loses a lot if they lose him. And I think it's more about does he want to try something with a different team if he wants to win a Champions League. Yeah. Um, I was So the Arsenal versus Aston Villa game was just going on. And Jack Grealish, what a player. <laughs> wow. He, he, like, he is, I love him. Like, there were a couple of chances he had right now. And like, just wow. Anyway, I agree with what you said about Pep. It's just like, I think uh, one of you said that uh, uh, you don't know if there's anyone who can replace Pep. There isn't. Like, there is no one. You can't replace Pep. That It just doesn't work like that. They'll have to find someone like the person who I think could come into the Premier League and actually do well, there are a few names that come into my mind. There's someone like Pochettino, of course, Pochettino. But, I mean, we're keeping him for United. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, then there is uh, Allegri. But Allegri and City just won't work. Because yeah. the City board, they want someone like Pep, not someone like Allegri. Um, so, I don't know. Um, but I-, I feel like... Moving on from Pep, uh, uh, there's something that Pep really badly wants, and that's the UCL. Uh, And this week, UCL, uh, there was one of the games that we mentioned last time, I remember. It was Real Madrid versus Inter Milan. And it was a high-scoring game. Um, It was... Did you watch the game? Did you watch the game? That... that, I watched it, yeah. That game was a banger. That's like the best way I can put it. I mean, Madrid goes up 2-0. And then um, Inter Milan... Like makes a real genuine comeback, and then um, Rodrigo like Vinicius connects with a great long pass, just right like right in front of the box what to go pass. to Rodrigo. I'm Fran. I feel like you must be at least a little happy to see these two like you know become real legitimate Real Madrid starter or almost starter level. Oh, for sure, it's all it's awesome to see the new Brazilian talent coming through because it felt lacking for a little bit. As far as wide players go, um, we we have Neymar, of course, but it's good to see these two connecting so well. And I don't know, it was just it was a joy, especially with Casemiro playing so well as well. It feels like the the Brazilians are really making an imprint in Real Madrid right now. Oh, for sure. And I think, um, well, on that note, I will say regarding like Rodrigo, and I think well, Hazard will always deserve the start over Vinicius whenever that's like. Whenever they're playing, I think. Um, did you guys see the? Uh, I don't know if we talked about this, but the clip with uh, Benzema and Vinicius like a week ago. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, yeah. I heard uh, it was with uh, Paul and Mendy, right? He said 
yeah, let, so, me, let me bring up the quote. Let me bring up the exact quote. Uh, yeah, so um, it's something along the lines of like, I was it like he's playing against us right now? And so Ferland Mendy, or they cleared it up later. But what happened was Ferland Mendy doesn't know Spanish; he just knows French. And so who's he going to talk to at Real Madrid? Obviously Benzema. And so um, yeah, they like Vinicius looked like brutal in that game. And I think uh, Benzema just said like, like yes, he looks said stop passing to Vinicius Junior. And like my mother, he's playing against us, something like that. And like I think it's I think that's brutal for Vinicius con Vinicius's confidence, but I also will say like I think it's part of playing at Real Madrid. I think if you're in a Champions League game and like I was watching the game and Vinicius is just he's a great player when he's on, but when he's off he's just trying to like take on every defender, not making crucial passes. And like he'll eventually improve, so I have no doubt about that. But I think and like we saw it in Inter Milan the Inter Milan game, but I just think like I don't know. I think that's part of playing in Madrid. If you're not performing well and you're like almost a liability to your team in a Champions League game, you're not gonna it, you're not gonna be accommodated for that. Yeah, I felt really bad about that though. Like, I, I, like even if even if a teammate plays like so bad, like regardless, like I play a lot of sports, right? I play a lot of cricket. I play a lot of football. Um, I'm not good at it. Like, not good at football. I'm good at football. <laughs> uh, but uh, um, but like. We all we've all been in a situation where one of our teammates just playing really bad. Like every time the person gets the ball, he's kicking it out. Like you have that situation. I mean, of course, it's a different situation to be in the UCL. It's a completely different thing. But I feel like when it's your teammate, you just don't say stuff like that. Like it just does. Like you tell him that okay, do this better, but you don't just say. I don't know. I just don't think it's right. Oh, I, I do agree. By the way, I think it was very like it was very rude of like Benzema. That's like putting it lightly. You know, he's, he's a veteran on that team too, so he has more responsibility than that. It's funny yeah. that Mundy was involved when he's so bad defending because as good as like what we were speaking about Vinicius and, uh, and Rodrigo going forward, but think about Vasquez and Mundy defending, dude. That is like scary bad, you know what I'm saying? Well, Mandy, I think Mandy was great for uh, Real Madrid last year in terms of like he was crucial for their like La Liga win. He'd be... Like his like contributions in attack, and he's like a lot more of a solid defender than Marcelo in recent years. Oh, that's but, fair, yeah. But I feel like his yeah. defending is part of the system, and Zidane, that's where his credit is, is in defending, because I feel like when he's on a one-on-one situation, Mundi just isn't your guy, you know. Yeah, I also will say the same about Rafael Varane in certain situations. Yeah. I like him a lot as a player. And I think, like, I remember the games against Bayern when they won their, like, like the last of their three-peat. I remember Varane's just chasing down Lewandowski. Like, he's as fast as, like, he'd be as fast as, like, Nabry, right? And just, like, chasing them down. And he's tall, so just, like, closing the, in on them very quickly. But I think one-on-ones, lately, Varane just doesn't look like... He doesn't... He lacks a certain defensive awareness. And also, I think the biggest issue is that Carvajal is injured or was out. And so when he's missing... He is like besides Ramos, he's and Casemiro. He's the core of their defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, the right back problem is massive. I agree. I think that's that's the biggest hole in the team right now. Um, uh, like I think a lot of people have been speaking about it as well. They are missing. I, I feel like who who else do they have in right back anyway? Like let's say Kaval like goals who's the next option they don't have anyone they could put in Militao but I don't think that's like the ideal spot for him and then they sold Ashraf Hakimi 
which I didn't love as a move, but it also makes sense because he's more of like a right wing back. And yeah. Zidane needs defensive fullbacks, at least a defensive fullback there. And Hakimi's very, very much an attacker. So it makes sense as to why they'd sell him. I'm not like, you know, it, it's understandable, but as soon enough, they're going to have to figure out what they're going to do behind Carvajal. They also have Ojo Rizzolo, but he's not, he's not particularly great in my opinion. What yeah, we- I agree with that. They might next next uh, transfer window. I think is going to be big for Real Madrid. They they were rather quiet for their star- standards uh, this window, but I feel like next window they're going to make some big moves, and I'm excited for it. My prediction is that we're gonna like the way I see that playing out. Just like wrap this up, I guess is that like, well, well, one they're quiet just because the pandemic, and I think when you're a club that's not owned by like a Roman Abramovich. Are like a prince as with Man City, right? You can't get financial injections during a pandemic because your revenue is contingent on like the, you know, the economy of like your area doing well. But I think in like in the next summer, I assume they'll financially rebound, and as most clubs will. And I think the way it's going to play out is we're going to see a lot of Mbappe rumors. Maybe it'll happen. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Like who knows? But who knows at this point? And then I think they'll go for Kamavinga. I think that'll be the key thing. Yeah. Um, oh, by the way, did you all? Uh, we are talking about Real Madrid transfer news. That's why I'm bringing this up. Uh, I read a, few, a lot of uh, reporters on Twitter have been saying that United have made Pogba available for just 56 million euros. Really? Yeah, just 56 million euros. I mean, I don't know if Real Madrid should spend overspend for Pogba at this point. I mean, 56 is not overspend. Come on. No. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. And I think. Okay, actually, it's a valid point, but um, I don't know. They have Fede Valverde, who's probably their be- one of their best performers, like week in week out these days. And I think um, they're going to be integrating Martin Odegaard soon enough, and they're slowly like phasing out Mo- Modric because he's like coming on later in games now. And then Tony Cruz's spot is untouchable as long as he's, as long as he's like plays at this level, you can't replace Tony Cruz. So I. Don't, I wouldn't mind them going for Pogba. I don't know if it's like the ideal thing they should go for, though, at the moment. I think they should go for a right winger. I wouldn't be surprised if they bought Pogba, though, because they're still the, the team that loves having Galacticos, right? Yeah. And even though Valverde has been really good, he just doesn't have the brand name to be a Real Madrid player. Let's put it like that. You know what I'm saying? But I, I think they're moving past that, though, because I think in a lot of the recent transfers, besides Hazard, I don't know how many, like, big names they're really connected to. It's just Hazard for that long period of time. Actually, that felt like forever with that whole saga. And then Mbappe now. But I think their moves have been a little more shrewd recently. But also, Pope is available for 56 mil. I'd, I'd say go for it. If, yeah, that's actually, if that's actually the case, yeah. The thing is, I feel like Pogba just... I feel like Pogba and United have... What's the word? Um, expired. Yeah. Uh, that's fair. Relationship has expired. I, I feel like it's not like he was a bad player for us. I feel like it just hasn't worked out. You know. I mean, I think in some years he was like, I mean, a good amount of years, just far and out your best player, but just like just can never put it together at the same time with the rest of the team. Exactly. I feel like, and and now like now we're looking at this team, right? And you see players like Donny Van Der Beek. Every time he's on the pitch, he's brilliant every single time like so far this season whenever i've seen him he's putting it as an all, his all he's good with his feet he's making the smart runs smart passes getting into space spaces and he's going back on defense at the same time and that's what we expected Pogba to do and Pogba isn't doing that 
right? And we have Van de Beek, so it, it probably is time that Pogba goes. And even against Everton, we started with Fred and McTominay, right, in midfield. And I feel like that works for us because our defense can be a little leaky, and we know that. And having those two holding midfielders and letting Bruno just do his thing, that just works brilliantly for us. And it, I, I just feel like Pogba just doesn't work for the system anymore. I love, I love Pogba. He's one of my favorite players. When he's on form, he's one of the best players to watch for anyone. You know? And it just hasn't worked out, and that it hurts. It hurts to say that. And I feel like. Um, yeah. Anyway, United and not performing well. Uh, Istanbul Basak share is that? I think that's Seher. Don't know um, how to pronounce that. <laughs> what is it about Ole when his job's on the line, man? I don't know. Because he beats Everton and he can beat PSG and Leipzig, but somehow loses to Istanbul. I don't know. Yeah, I and and the thing is, the two goals that we conceded, uh, especially the first one. Um, that was Denver a brilliant just, goal, to be fair, right? That was that was a brilliant goal. To be fair, how yeah. he's just standing alone. He's not marked. Well, that's that's the genius of it because he was behind the midfield line, right? So there's no offside, so he can't be yeah, alone exactly. there. But, yeah, it was but then brilliant. Someone should be marking him, right? One of our players should be marking. Oh yeah, him. it's why, stupid why? from United, but that's we've come to expect that, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, that's the thing, right? That's what. So our defense, it just wasn't. Uh, I don't know. Even the second goal, like all three of them had to go towards the ball. You need one player to block a ball. All three of them go to the guy, and then there are two people empty on the other side. Like, and the funniest thing is the press conference right before Maguire said, um, uh, "Since this first game, our defense has really improved. We look like a good team now." And and this this happens. So, I it, it just I, is there much to say other than United is just inconsistent, and we don't know why. Yeah, it's it's a combination of system and motivation, right? Against Istanbul, clearly the players didn't want to perform. But then you look at the system, and in this case, I kind of feel bad for Ole because with the players we have, there is no right system that accommodates all of them. You know what I'm saying? You were talking about Pogba. He can't play well with Bruno because Bruno needs to play free and Pogba needs to play a little freer. But Pogba needs to hold back defensively if Bruno is on the is on the pitch. Then we can't have Matic and Van de Beek on the same lineup because they're slow. And then Istanbul happens, right? This team is just inconsistent as hell. On that though, I think that all traces back to um, Ed Woodward clearly. Yeah. Because if you're not if you don't have players that all fit a system and they're all just you can't ever like get the right roster at the same time. Then it's a man. It's the actual like concern is just the total player assets of players if that makes sense mm-hmm. and I think that's just it all traces back to management like the, they never they can never properly back Mourinho and then they've they've had some sign, good signings for uh, Ole but I don't know I think like unless Edward was gone I think this is just gonna be a consistent problem with like whatever future manager that they have is it too new uh, for, for Aston Villa? Yes, Aston Villa scored, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> yes, Ross Barkley. No, wait, Ollie Watkins. Ollie Watkins scored. Yeah, I just saw them celebrating right now. There we um, go. Yeah, but... Ooh, okay. Um, well, okay I mean, yeah, let's go ahead. I'll tell you how they goal went. Ooh, that wait, was wait, what happened with that? Because I'm not watching at the moment. That was a good goal. So it was like a cross-field pass from like... Um, the right hand side of the pitch, all the way behind the goal, the uh, Ross Barkley just volleyed it in, and Ollie Watkins had the ball in. 
Arsenal is the most damn frustrating team to keep up with, man. After yeah, Man United. He gets in front of Tierney somehow. He gets in front of Gabriel somehow. Like, but it was a, it was a good player. It was a really good player. Yeah. Um, two nil. Aston Villa. <laughs> and they also had a goal a goal ruled offside in the first minute. So like, yeah. this entire game is just a wash for Arsenal, man. Yeah, a few bad. Oh, okay. Wait, we might have a three. We might have a third. We might. <laughs> let's let's go back we to. Have a, do we have a third? Oh, off the line clearance by Tierney. Let's, right, anyway, let's go back to let's go back let's to, go back uh, to the DC Champions League because yeah. on the on the United group PSG lost against Leipzig, and it's looking increasingly likely that they're not going to go through to the next round, and maybe Tuchel gets fired. What are we thinking thinking over there? I feel like PSG will. I mean, is Neymar fit? Is Neymar fit? Like, is he still he's out, hurt. No? He's hurt. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. Once he's back, it's just like it's a different team. Yeah, exactly. I, I think okay. So they're at one one win, two losses, three points. I mean, one thing is Man U will inevitably drop points within these last three games. So Maybe. PSG will have a chance to rebound. <laughs> I think. Um, I don't think Leipzig's a great team, but I think yeah they. They're still prone to being out of form. So I think PSG will... I think they'll naturally go through. I think they should be going through more, like, cleanly and, like, distinctly than this, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, yeah. this shouldn't be, like, a question mark, but I think I think they'll be fine. And I think... Um, I think it'll probably still, like, even though, like, it's looking the way it is now, I think it'll still come down to Man U Leipzig. I could see that. And uh, just a quick note I on Leipzig. I, I honestly think this, this group is going to be wild. Like, I, I feel like... I, we can't predict it. I think it'll go down to the last game. It's going to go down to the last game. I wouldn't be I'm looking at the other groups. So, Real Madrid has a little bit of a little bit of a road ahead of them, I guess. Because they're at third right now, but tied for, tied in points for second with Shakhtar. And I think in their last three games, this is UCL Real Madrid. I think they'll be back in form. They'll, yeah, Madrid goes through. They'll go through for sure. I think Inter Milan actually, they're in dire straits of anything. Because they're at two and at last in the group, so I think they have a lot of questions. I think Bayern. Milan and Shakhtar and who's the was the fourth team? I'm gonna butcher. I'm gonna butcher this hard, but mm-hmm. Borussia Mönchengladbach. There you go. I, yeah, I think Mönchengladbach goes through. Yeah. Yeah, they're looking good. I, I don't see why it's only on them if they don't go through. Go through, and I think Madrid will be back. And I think it's. All, I think Milan actually will end up being a Europa League team. I feel like they'll win the Europa League this year. Oh yeah, they're a talented team, but just just bad form. Yeah. As for the other groups, Liverpool going through, and then it comes down to Ajax and Atalanta in Group D. Oh yeah. Hmm. I could. I think Atalanta. I would put my money there. I Even though they got destroyed by Liverpool. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Ajax might have the nod there. Because Atalanta feels like a team that only has one way of playing. And then if they get found out, they get destroyed like they did by Liverpool. Uh, I don't know. I yeah, feel like I, Ajax would be I a better back, I back Ajax. They're in really good form. Uh, I'd back Ajax, actually. Oh, 3-0. Is it actually? Serious? Yeah, Bon Leno just got nagged. Oh, my God. Dude, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, oh, my God. Oh, my God. How did we lose to this team? <laughs> the better, I mean, this is also the same team that beat um, Liverpool seven two. If you're talking, I mean, Aston Villa. That is, yeah. I don't know. 
Arsenal and Man U are both teams that are just extremely shaky. They can't play the same on a, any given week. Uh, yeah, and uh, finally, uh, Chelsea and Sevilla, I think both of them go through, right? Yeah. yeah. So, Group G, though, I think Juventus will actually top the group. I think now that Ronaldo's back and he's, yeah. like, he, he, he didn't miss a beat when he came back. He scored in the first couple of minutes and, like, when he subbed on in his return. He scored again against um, Lazio today. Yeah. I think, again, this is the same argument I have with Real Madrid. There's certain teams and players that when they're in the Champions League, they're a diff- obviously different level, and I don't think Ronaldo can accept like, you know, also that upcoming Clasico in December. I think Juve will win that one as well. So I think they'll eventually top that group. Did Messi yeah. score another penalty last week? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he still has a score from open Jesus. Oh, how the, how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there's this uh, the media broadcasting company called uh, the Goal. Goal. That's all. That's what they call. It. Uh, they they are quite big, and they tweeted. Uh, uh, what is that? Okay, Ronaldo, uh, strike through, Fernandez, strike through, Messi, hit mark. <laughs> I mean, I think Messi again. I think I don't know. It's just that I don't want to call it complacency because I think he's too good of a player to chalk it down to that. I don't know. I just think. I think Barcelona is just in a weird situation right now. Yeah. Especially, I mean, the La Liga form has been very shaky. He hasn't scored any goals from open play. That's really like a shock at this point in the season. It's November already. But, but it's just, it's just, it's not like he's playing badly though. Like I mean, yeah. he's not playing at his level, but he's still one of the good players, like top twenty players in the world, easy. Of I mean, I, I'd, say, I'd say more than top twenty, even then, or yeah. top ten, like even on a bad day. Oh, okay. I have a good question. I have a good question. Now that we brought this up, right now, like at this moment, top five players in the world. At this moment, it doesn't matter what they've done. Like, la- let's say by, by at this moment, I mean the last since the turn of the year, since the turn of the year, who be- and from now till now, who are the best players in the world? Well, if you're doing turn of the year, I think I'd end up going to more generic list. I think if anything, have a top five. Like, if you were to pick up pick a lineup like for tomorrow. And you're, uh, you're to choose some of these pro players, like top five at this moment. All right, I get that. I, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, I mean, I know my key player, Emmanuel Neuer. Um, it has to be him, right? I mean, yeah, I'd agree. I think he's in the top five. And then <laughs> I feel like it's going to be very Bayern dominated. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense though. They're they're just on a different level than most teams this year. I think I'd say Thomas Mueller, right, or Robert Lewandowski. Uh, I want. I want. Four Bayern players in my team. I want Jesus. Robert Levin. Let's put a limit though. Let's put two from each team because it makes it fair. Then. Yeah. Okay, yeah we'll... Joshua Kimmich, Kimmich, then Thomas Muller, Robert Lewandowski, and Neuer. That's what I was thinking. And then one person, someone like Cristiano. But no, I think Cristiano. I he he hasn't. He scored in all the Serie A games. Yeah, it, Cristiano's Latan for me. It'd be one of them. Oh yeah, Zlatan. Yeah, Milan's top of the league as well. Yeah, the man doesn't age. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that list. I'm trying to think who else would be there, but can I? Skip not, nothing goals. comes to mind. Can I skip a goalkeeper and just go for five outfield players? Yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, so yeah. I'll give you Mane, Bruno Fernandes, Sergio Ramos, Lewandowski, uh, Harry Kane. You know, I bagged that. I bagged that. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I also can't disagree with that list. I think I mean, Harry Kane's looking 
just different level. I don't want to say different level because it's always been great, but Jose's unlocked that playmaking side of him as well. So I think that's well, actually, completely fair. Since, since uh, Jose Mourinho has come in, I think so, Jose Mourinho, I'm not sure. Please don't uh, uh, call me out on this, but something around these are the stats. Uh, they, I think he's played around 34 games under Jose Mourinho, 36 games under Jose Mourinho. Scored 26 goals and assisted another 16 or something. Wow. Jeez, yeah. That's so it's more than more than one goal per per game, more than one goal contribution per game. So it, it's crazy, it's crazy. Spurs Probably one of the best the performances. Even like, <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to say it. I don't want to <laughs> say it. Uh, but I think he could potentially top Drogba's best season under Mourinho. Oh, easy! I think. Yeah, I think it's very possible. Because he's yes. already at what he already had like fifteen goal contributions in the Prem so far this season, and we've had like nine games. Played. I think the that only just really depends on Tottenham itself just keeping their form. They look, they've looked very good so far, but that's the only thing that stat relies on, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I mean, talking about Spurs, uh, Spurs is quite like really good in form, in good form right now, and um, they're playing City next week, or right? two weeks from now. Uh, or two. Oh yeah, sorry. Next week is the international break. I just forgot. Yeah. Um, two weeks from now. Um, do you all have any uh, anything to say about the game? Do you have any scoreline predictions? I think Spurs uh, win it. I think Spurs win, like off the bat. But in terms of the score, I'd say I'd say two nil Tottenham. Two nil. I would go with two I'm, I'm one. Like, I feel like uh, Hingman Son is gonna score. Like it seems like prime okay, his his game because of how high like, the high line that uh, City play, I feel like it's the perfect game for Spurs to like take them apart because of the way like you know we've seen them play so far this season. But I, I feel like they will concede a goal. I feel like they will end up conceding a goal. Um, so I'd go with two one. Yeah, yeah, I'd go with two, two one. one as well. Yeah, I I see them conceding a goal. That's fair then. Yeah, I think uh, Jose will end up sitting back though if he goes up though. Yeah, but that's that's that. I feel like that would just. I don't know. I feel like this. I don't know. I feel like they will still concede even if they sit back. Uh, De Bruyne a long shot or something like that will just happen because that like however good their defense has been, there are still like there's still potential to make like one small error in the system or something like that. Yeah, that's fair. Not the most well-oiled team like out there so far. And Spurs are so good on the counter-attack, especially with oh, yeah, their speed they're... right now. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be surprised if they set back and scored a couple of goals on the counter-attack. Yeah, it could be a three-one as well. Like I'd back either of them, but I still see them considering one goal. But I think they're gonna win. Like they're gonna win it comfortably. Like they, they won't be troubled. They can see that goal, but they won't be troubled. It'll be it'll be like United versus PSG earlier this season. Yeah, and they conceded a goal, but it didn't really put the game in any danger. Exactly, they were always in control of like this, like how they were playing. You know? Yeah. Um, and oh, the international break. I, it's the Nations League, right? Um, I feel like there are like some of the games in the Nation Leagues are really good. It just I have a question to you about uh, international break. Do you all like the idea of a competitive international tournament that happens during the breaks instead of having international friendlies like that were there before? I think it's preferable. I think having a Nations League, I mean, it has some significance. It determines, like, you know, your Euro placement, right? And so, 
I think it's a lot better than just an international friendly. It at least feels like it has more significance. And, you know, you can always end up seeing Ronaldo break some new Portuguese record or international goal-scoring record, inevitably. But I don't like the overall... I think it's... Actually, I hate the overall idea of even having international breaks right now. It's just dangerous. It's very risky. Oh, yeah. 100%. I agree with that. But there is one big game coming. Uh, I mean, actually, friend, you didn't say anything. What do you think? Uh, I don't care much for the Nations League, to be to be honest. It's Especially because it's such an European thing. If it was more international or like thinking about South America and all of that, I'd be more into it. But it's nice to see Ronaldo breaking records, as Archie said. Yeah, so wait, does does South America have any um, sort of like... I mean, they probably, they probably have international friendlies going on, right? Yeah. Well, we have yeah. qualifiers for the World Cup right now. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So, like, at least from that perspective, do you think it's even a good idea to have those right now? Well, when would when would we play those if not now? Okay, yeah, actually, that, that's yes, perfectly they, fair. I get, I get qualifiers. That that's fine, right? They don't really have an option. But yeah, qualifiers makes more sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, inter- international friendlies and the Nations League, I just don't get it. If I'm being honest, um, but there's a big game coming. There's Portugal versus France. Uh, I think the last game ended as a nil-nil draw. Uh, what do you all think about this one? And they played really strong teams, I remember that. Like, they both played really strong teams. I think... Hmm. The, the problem with uh, judging internet, these uh, international, like, trying to predict these international games is just because, I guess, in mid-season, it's just because, like, you never know what form the players will be in once they're, like, step foot on, like, an international team rather than their own club team. I am going to give the edge, again, I keep on saying his name a lot this, this episode, I'm going to give the edge to Portugal, though. Maybe like a 1-0 or 2-1, like a close one, but I also, because also I know how like defensively Portugal can play, so, but I think Ronaldo's one of those players that doesn't really dip in form, I mean, he actually elevates form when he plays for Portugal anyway, so I think that will give them the edge, and yeah, I, I mean, that's not, that's no slight to France, though. Portugal has a lot of players in form right now. Also, oh, Hoda as well, yeah. yeah. So Jota Felix is looking Hoda. good too. Yeah, I I would say Portugal has the edge. Same, same. I agree with that. I, I agree. Um, so I guess that's that's everything, right? Should we do one of uh, seduce, marry, kill? <laughs> let's okay. Yeah, yeah. Let's play this game. All right. Uh, so it's how it works is you have three options. Uh, you either choose a player for life. Uh, player for one season only, uh, and then person leaves to. Uh, and finally, that person would never be at your club. All right. So we'll do a we'll do a few easy ones first. Uh, uh, first, it's Cristiano, Messi, Lewandowski. And this is then. I just, right now. I just want to clarify. Yeah, this this is right now. Yeah. Yeah, this is right now. So Cristiano for the rest of his career, Messi for the rest of his career, Lewandowski for the rest of his career, or the other other options. I would go with... Ah, this is hard. I think Cristiano for the rest of his career. Lewandowski for a season and bye-bye Messi. Ah, <laughs> <Oof. laughs> oh, my friends aren't going to like that. <laughs> mm. But you know what? I actually think I'd back that. Because Cristiano has longevity. How, how old is Lewandowski? I, I, He's 30 right now? I think so. He's 30. Then I take Cristiano for the season and Lewandowski. I think I'm going to go Cristiano for the season 
Actually, no, I'll, I'm going to reverse that. I'm going to go Cristiano for life because I think he still has another three years in him. Yeah. Maybe he'll be proven wrong. No, more, actually. I don't know. Well, who knows? I think he's. I think he'll decide when his career's over in all reality. <laughs> and so, and also, I think his game adapts as he ages. I think Messi will. Messi slows down because you know a lot of goals from open play. I think Ronaldo, like, I mean, I saw a stat that he's dribbling more at Juve than at Madrid, but you know, he's going to get you goals like centrally. He'll drift like centrally and mostly play that way. And so, as he gets older, he'll just play more as a just straight up striker. So I'll say Cristiano for life. But I'm taking Messi for a season. And as much as I like Lewandowski, and I think Lewandowski is the better player at the moment, I will say Lewandowski never, just because I think it's Messi, you know? I think, yeah. I also think, yeah, I mean, it's so much, I don't know. I think Messi on your team already raises the floor ridiculously. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. And I, 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 I completely... It's the thing is, it's a difficult option. All everything you do is fine. <laughs> like this is this is how it works. Yeah. Um, okay. The next one, I I honestly think the next one is a little bit more difficult because these are young players, probably the top three young players in the world: Haaland, Sancho, and Mbappe. Ta-da! <laughs> <laughs> Go I think I'm taking team. I'm taking Holland for. Actually, I need to think about it. But I think Sancho is, Sancho is the never for me, to be honest. I yeah, I'd I'd say that Honestly, too. Yeah, I'd say that too. Yeah, it's he's like, great. He's just a, I think he's a tier below these guys. I would go Mbappe rest of his career, Holland for one season, and then Sancho goodbye. Yeah, I I think I'd agree with you, but I, I'd take it the either way as well. Like Mbappe for like a season, Holland for life. I just think I would take Holland for life. Yeah, like I would take that over Mbappe. Yeah, I don't think either of those answers are wrong, though. In all reality, I just think Sancho is just not that level like, compared to those two. Give us. A, I, I think again, right? Sancho has something that these guys don't, though. Like San- Sancho is, I, I see Haaland is outright goal scorer. He's potentially going to be the next, like for the next decade, he's going to have a career like probably better than what Suarez or Leva have had. You know, potentially. I'm not saying that he will, but he could. Um, Mbappe, same. He he could have a career at the level of Ronaldo if he wants. You know, it's just Sancho is like if, if for me the best player to ever exist for me is Messi. I feel like because he, I I personally think he's a little bit more complete and he's had a, he's been more complete as a player for a longer period of time. I don't know if that makes sense. Because uh, yeah, and and I think Sancho is more like Messi. And Haaland and Mbappe are more like Ronaldo, and that's the only reason why I think Sancho, over the course of his entire like career, you'll end up seeing that his numbers combined, like assists plus goals combined together, will be much better than what Haaland and Mbappe end up. Okay, that, that, that's fair as well. It depends. Though. If he comes to United, that's not happening. <laughs> I just think, I just think at the moment, you're getting more of a complete product with Mbappe and Haaland. That's true. Yeah. Give us right, a um, classic one with uh, older players before we go. Um, I was actually thinking uh, we could do an older player one, or we could do one for Arsenal and United. Okay, let's do that. Yeah, I can do that. That's, that's difficult because we have to take one of the legends out of our club. <laughs> and I mean, okay, let, let's go, Archit. First, you. I mean, we'll try answering that. But Henri, Vieira, a book camp. <laughs> All right, Henri for life. I think that's an easy answer for me. I think he's just. He's one of the best just attackers in Premier League history. Not no discredit to Burkamp, 
But I also think Henri just Henri also has the propensity for like just ridiculous goals when you need it. You know what I mean? Like I I think like he can just whip out like if last minute you need like just, a, just like a rocket, whatever it is, you need you have him like you know dribble, juggle it up to himself and shoot. He can do that, and that's just the extra edge. And I'll say Bergkamp for the season because I think in modern football, I just think you can, I think there are more ways to compensate. It's really tough, but I think there's more ways to compensate for a defensive, defensive midfielder like Vieira rather than someone with like the unique talent of a Bergkamp with his like dribbling and playmaking. Yeah. But it's not, that's not an easy choice. And I think like Bergkamp for the season, or Vieira for the season also makes sense, but I'm going Bergkamp. So I think his skill set is more unique. I uh, I agree with your thing. The thing is, I I I feel like Vieira is the kind of player you either have him for life or you don't have him at all. I don't know that like you get that, but because he's yeah. he's a leader as well, right? It's not just his playing ability or him being a defensive midfielder. He's a leader. Like you have a leader for one season, that's fine, right? But if he's there for li- life, like he's gonna, it's gener- like I don't know, like that's the thing, right? And because you can't replace Andre. He, there's no point of for having it. Like, of course, I'd take him for a season, but then, like, you know. Yeah, it doesn't. The, the impact is not like, a, oh, one, they had one fab, like, fantastic season. The impact is how much they do for your club in total. Exactly. And, like, for a player like Vieira. But I, I, I have to take Henri for life. So that's why I'm going burn camp for the season. Um, all right. So, Fran, for us, I think there's the last thing we're going to do today. Um, oh, wait. Before I ask this question, can I say congratulations? To president president elect Joe Biden, and yes. uh, um, I was I was watching the highlights of uh, Spurs versus Manchester United after Bruno scored. I screamed, "Stop the count!" It didn't work. Fabrizio Fabrizio Romano confirmed the uh, election results of the "Here we go," and so uh, I mean. If, I mean, if that if he says it, then it's official, you know. Exactly. He said, "Here we go," and like that's what I was waiting for. I didn't get a CNN report today. <laughs> I, I don't care. <laughs> anyway, last and final uh, options: Giggs, Wayne Rooney, David Beckham. Jesus, that's tough. Ah, before you guys start, by the way, sorry to interrupt you. Ryan Giggs is looking like a less favorable favorable option, just given recent news. I will say that. No, that that's fair. I <laughs> yeah, will say I will go Rooney for his career because I think at his peak, Rooney might be the most talented English player of all time, and he had yeah. what ten excellent years for United, playing all sorts of roles with the greatest players we've ever had. Then I'd go for one season, I'd go Beckham. Because I think at his peak, he was better than Giggs. Yeah. And Giggs, I think he was... Although he's... I mean, he played, what, 20 seasons for us? And he was amazing most of the time. He wasn't as consistent as he's remembered to be, you know? There were a lot of down years for him. He was there when it mattered most, don't get me wrong. But he would be the one I say goodbye to. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I. Now that you said your like reasoning, I, I feel like I'd back you. Because <laughs> only I was going to put gigs for life, because because of what he's done for us for life. But now that I remember, I'm remembering all the stats. 
and I'm like, oh wait, yeah. Even though he has the most assists in Premier League history, that's because he played for so many seasons. I'm like, he barely crossed double digits and stuff like that. Um, so I think I'd back what you said. I'd back what you said. Yeah. I think Beckham for the one season part makes like the most sense. Though. I don't think he's the for life choice. No. Yeah, yeah I agree. I think with injuries and everything, like I think he had a not short prime, but shorter than like you know, obviously shorter than Giggs and Rooney. But like, but Beckham for a season makes a lot of sense here, but. I mean, you guys can speak more on that, but like, yeah, I was actually about to agree with Yushisha's just like first thing that he's saying too with the gigs for life. But you, you actually put it like the way you put it makes a lot of sense, though. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was a lot of fun. Um, Where can people find right. us online, guys? Um. So hi. Oh yeah. So we are actually an affiliate of um, the Sports Universe. Sport Universe, and you can find us on Instagram. Just put the Sport Universe down. Uh, go drop us a follow. Our podcasts are available everywhere on Apple Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Just put for this podcast, put the Soccer Universe uh, in search, and it'll be the first thing that'll come up. Our name is very unique. Trust me. <laughs> and, um, yeah, that's that's us. Let me let me plug my friend Kyle really quickly. He's on Twitter at Kaio, C-A-I-O-M-Z-G. And you can find me on Instagram at friend, underline, A-T-I-E. A-T-T-I-E. Yeah. All right. Um, I mean, if we're uh, plugging Instagrams, I'm just going to quickly say at uh, Archer Red. You know, a lot of nice pics on there. And um, yeah, uh, thank you guys for uh, listening and tuning in. Uh, either of you have any final thoughts or... Apologies to Norway. Oh, I, oh yeah, as always, apologies yeah, to Norway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm really sorry. <laughs> All, right, All right, that was. That's it. See you next week. See ya. Bye bye.